With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sippel, Robin Washett, taking you here for the next hour as we make our way through the dog days of February, as we are in that kind of dead period of college basketball, preparing for conference tournaments, no football other than the Super Bowl, obviously, this weekend. Um, but here we are. A um, lot still going on, guys. And I wanted to lead off the show. NFL Combine invites out. Uh, Nebraska gets three. No real surprise. Trey Palmer in the Combine. Um, I would say Travis Volkolek, not a surprise either in the combine from just the amount of scout attention he received in the last year. But um, you, you have O'Shawn Mathis in the combine. And I'm not surprised. I'll get your opinion on that. Uh, but just based on the senior bowl praise and things that he was getting during the year. But the one real snub, Garrett Nelson, not in the combine. Caleb Tanner, not in the combine either. But I think the Garrett Nelson snub of the combine does get your attention because uh, this is a guy that could have come back for not a sixth year, but it would have been a fifth year at Nebraska. Yeah, I don't know if I'd even call it a snub. I, I don't think I, – you know what? I don't know if Garrett Nelson would call it a snub. I talked to Garrett in December. Was it December early January? And he wasn't, he wasn't counting on an invite. He wanted an invite. He was hoping he'd get an invite. But it was, it was not – he didn't regard it as a slam dunk. Now, he was a second-team All-Big Ten player. He's probably right on the edge. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the measurables like that some guys might have. Like, O'Shawn's got measurables. Yeah. O'Shawn's long, long arms, um, linear, has that look. Garrett doesn't really – hey, and listen, guys, a lot of the combine invites, a lot of it is measurables, not all of it, but a lot of it is measurables. His production, five-and-a-half sacks – Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's more than O'Shawn. O'Shawn had three and a half sacks. Garrett had a lot more tackles, 55 tackles. O'Shawn wasn't nearly that productive. Uh, but again, O'Shawn had measurables. And Trey Palmer was a no-brainer with, with what, 71 catches for 1,049 yards? No-brainer. Yeah. And Vokalek's a no-brainer as a premium position. Ooh, no-brainer. Are you putting no-brainer on Vokalek, Rob? Just with his frame. Really? I mean, he's got that prototype NFL body. I mean, his wingspan is enormous. Yeah, he's true. huge. Measurable. And, and he actually had some production. I mean, he 20 catches. finally caught his first touchdown as a Husker last year. And so, I mean, like, you know, there was at least something there where you could see what he could bring on the field. Whereas before, he was always backing up Austin Allen or he was hurt. So, uh, yeah, I... Not a surprise at all with any of those three that got invites. You can, the biggest surprise for me about Nelson was just not only that he didn't get an invite, but that it, he didn't get an invite after what he did in the All Star game, where he was getting all that praise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were talking about him as you know one of the more impressive players during those practices with his just his energy and all that sort of stuff. So maybe like he's the type of guy that isn't going to, even if he's not going to get that chance in the combine, I don't think that that's like slams the door on his NFL potential. He's the guy that's going to get individual meetings and workouts and with his personality uh, and just talking with him, he's going to impress some people. And so you pair the way that he got better last year. And then obviously this past season uh, with just how impressive he is as a person and as a leader, I think he's going to at least have a chance to be a back end guy. And remember this Divino Zigbo, Stanley Morgan, Luke Gifford, mm-hmm. Jack Stahl, they did not get combine invites. Good point, Sean. They're on all active rosters right now. Now, Matt Farniak was a combine invite, I believe. Mm-hmm. With JoJo? JoJo uh, did get a combine invite. Okay. He did, uh, but he was not drafted, um, which really surprised folks because of how well he played in the senior bowl. I, I think what actually hurt JoJo was he couldn't really play in the box very well. 
and people didn't know for sure if he could play in space, but he's proven to be an outstanding special teams player. He, I mean, he scored a touchdown on special teams this yeah, year. Yeah, and he was active all year. He was on the Colts' active roster all year. I, I wonder, the last thing I'd say, I wonder about Vokalek, if they would, if anybody would ask him to try tackle, just at least try it. Oh, it would. No. I'd, Why? Why, Sean? That's a lot of weight. That's a lot of weight that, I mean, he's already pretty grown man at this point. I mean, I don't know if. You see, tight. I, maybe. Oh, but. you could put twenty pounds on him. I mean, that, that, and then he's a tackle. But his. So I mean, I'm just going solely off pro football focus, and I know some people have their opinions on that. But he never had like elite block numbers on pro football okay. focus that would lead you to oh, believe. Oh, now hold like, on, hold on, hold on. They said there was guys that said over there he was the best blocker on the team, best blocker on the team, maybe best edge blocker. Yeah, well, that's what you do at tackle, right? But, but he's never he, stayed in in pass pro. He's listed as two sixty. You think you're going to have a 280-pound tackle in the NFL? Put, to put 30 pounds on. 30 pounds on a 24, 25-year-old guy? 35. That's already at the <laughs> peak of his development. <laughs> I'm just saying. Peak. I think that there's enough to work with there that people are going to like him at, at tight end. Okay. I'm and just I mean, like, throwing if, it if, out. If Jack Stoll can get significant playing time, Travis Volkola can get significant okay. playing time. Caleb Tanner, no combine invite, but he'll get a great look at pro day. That's not a surprise. I mean, Caleb Tanner. Oh, God, I could see him making it, Caleb. Um, I could. Can he cover kicks and punts, though? Yeah, because yeah. that's the key. You look at the NFL, like I Alonzo, um, uh, the receiver, um, Alonzo Moore, Moore, and then Brandon Riley, they both made the NFL because they could run and cover kicks and punts. Jordan Westerkamp, who you would think had the better college career and was going to be a great – he never made the pros because he was not built to play specials. You know who's built to play specials? Caleb Tanner. Why wouldn't he How be? How much able experience to, does he have doing it, though? Well, I don't know, but if I bet he'll do it if they're if they ask him to do it for a million a year, yeah, he better because that's his way. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to get just being a defender. Like he's got to be able to do everything if he's going to well, make a roster. Well, spot. He, he, I mean, he never missed a game in Nebraska. He'll do what is asked of him. I mean, Trey Palmer though he'll test so well at the combine. Oh man, he's going to kill the forty. Like he will run one of the fastest combine forties. And my prediction is at the pro day, he'll just kind of run some routes. Like, he's not going to probably have to do much at pro day. Hmm. A lot of these guys, that's been the trend. Yeah. You know, generally the combine is all you need. Because, let's face it, pro day times are always better than the combine times. The combine's what matters because you're in the same place with all the guys mm -hmm. on the same timing method on the same surface where pro days can vary. In fact, Nebraska, had at least they had it before – run their own official watch every every scout runs their own watch mm -hmm. and then we'd go to kenny wilhite and get kind of the consensus time based on all the scout times like there was never like a true time nebraska would share from those pro days you know i i'll tell you what there's a little pressure on him to run fast i mean that's his thing if, that's four his threes thing. for sure but can that's he his thing. could yeah. he hit high four twos um that's what i'm in i think he will for sure run four threes like if he doesn't run four threes, I will be shocked. Well, he, need, he I mean, there's a like I say, there's a little heat on him. That's his. That's his forte. That's his. He's thing. a national level sprinter type guy. Like yeah. this is no new thing for him. Louisiana State champion. Yeah, yeah he'll I whip mean, off. Th he's gonna quick. thrive in yeah. that environment. All right, other opening headline I want to cover here in segment one. Coaching contracts have been now finalized for Nebraska. Uh, we learned Bob Wager's salary. It's three hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. Uh, that means Matt Rule's 10 assistant coaches will make $5.52 million um, with strength coach Corey Campbell in there. They'll make $5.97 million. Uh, but the $5.52 million is almost a million and a half less than what the allotted $7 million rule was given. And we did get further confirmation on this from uh, Nebraska that Corey Campbell does not count towards the $7 million, even though we were told one way it did. Now he doesn't. Um, so Rule had a lot of additional money to play with. It tells me they're going to use a lot of that money on the other side of the staff, whether it's Dr. Susan Elza, Sean Patton, the support staff people. Uh, but what do you guys think of the final salary numbers? Reflective of a young staff. I mean, mm -hmm. this is what it is. Um, especially those guys at the bottom, Garrett McGuire at 285. And Garrett McGuire, not much experience at all. Rob Dvorak, not much experience at all. EJ Barthel's got some experience, but... Those guys, um, I mean, Rule has made it clear that he likes the idea of having a young, hungry staff. You don't have to pay those guys a lot of money, some of those guys, right? It's almost like a military. You have the generals, the two coordinators. You have kind of like the lieutenants, the next line of coaches, then kind of like the foot soldiers. And, right. and, and those younger coaches, 
they're the foot soldiers going into mm-hmm. like 15 high schools a day doing mm-hmm. exactly what they're told. Mm-hmm. You hire older veteran coaches. We've had this discussion before. A guy that's 57 years old that's coached for 30 years, and you tell him to go into 15 schools. Yeah, how's, I mean, Mar- how's Mark Whipple going to handle that? You know, just for an example, like that type of coach. Foley, though, will handle it. Well, yeah, because he's 55. Foley understands and is in lockstep with mm-hmm. rule, probably mm-hmm. as much as anybody on that staff. So mm-hmm. that that makes sense. And yeah, my, yeah, my takeaway too is I'm glad that they're spreading that pool of money, that significant pool of money, and beyond just the full-time staff that you're, they're finding new creative ways. Isn't it this already like one of the largest staffs, not just obviously coaching staffs, but like football staffs in the big 10. Yes, it is one of the bigger I mean, they're ones. counting like it's bigger in Ohio state. I did a head count and there's like 50 right now. Um, if you count like a secretary and the coaches. Yeah, it's, that's informative. I mean, people do ask you sometimes, I mean, how big is that staff over there? He, I mean, the, Matt Rule, the head coach, essentially oversees a staff of 50 people. And he brought it. Matt Rule, think about this. He made 40 of his own hires mm. since taking over, and then he added 31 additional players. He kept eight that were committed, okay. so there's 39 total. So he made 31 player additions and 40 hires in two months. 71 new faces at Memorial Stadium. That he brought in big. himself. It's pretty big. That's a big number. It is. It's a big number. That's a lot for us to – try to get to know well, it's not just replacing people too they're bringing in new positions and yeah. so they're they're bolstering that entire staff from head coach down to secretary uh, as much as you could expect nutritionists strength yep. staff yep. Yep. um i mean the, the only i mean the, the key people that have stayed as we've hit on before uh, donovan riola as the o-line coach ron brown who has a new title with player outreach he's no longer listed as an analyst Mm -hmm. um i mean those are the key people besides a couple of the recruiting people like vince ginta and ryan callahan those are big names those are big names names. even from the medical side we've seen dr lonnie albers move on Mm -hmm. uh trainer mark meyer move on from the program so even from that side there's been shake-up sides you know a side that you normally wouldn't see maybe in the headlines but they've gone from nutrition to strength to medical on on some of the changes they've made in the program. God, when you now that we're talking about this, this is we're talking about massive change. And like it, it's surprising, but it shouldn't necessarily be just because like this is kind of what Matt Rule does. Like he, Nebraska fans have been wanting a CEO. This is a definition of a guy that's literally putting his fingerprints on every level of this program from top to the very bottom. And um, you know, I guess that. Just the magnitude of it mm-hmm. kind of takes you back a little bit, but it shouldn't be a, a total stunner that Matt Rule is going to these, this extent. Sean, Sean, is it mostly reminiscent of, of Bill Callahan? Um, yeah, because he brought in a lot of his own people too. But remember, they didn't have near the support staffs back then. No, but the, just the CEO element of it. No doubt. And I, I think what's different about Matt Rule is he's not afraid to – I mean, he's organized enough and detailed enough to bring in all his own people – where I feel like Frost, you know, he's like, I'm just taking everybody with me. And, and you know, Mike Riley, I, I feel like they get kind of guilted to keep some people that they're really not even sure about, that they just, you know, and, hmm. and they, they keep them around. Hmm. Rule, rules like, I'm not doing that. Like, I've done that. I've tried to do that at Carolina, and it went terrible for me. And he told that to some of the coaches. He's like, hey, I know you're a good coach. All right, I know you're good at your job here in this program, but I got to get my own people here. So he's been pretty honest about that. Um, where we, we've never seen a complete, almost clean out like this in a long time. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a question. I should know, you guys. Did did Billy? Did Callahan call his own plays? Yes. Norvell wasn't calling those plays. Um, he was on the headset with Bill Is Callahan. Right? Is that how you remember Rob? I remember Bill with a play sheet. Yeah, yeah, a huge play sheet. Yeah. And where things did kind of go bad in the '06 Cotton Bowl. Um, were, Here comes the incredible memory. They were struggling. I mean, Nebraska <laughs> came out. I, I interviewed Will Muschamp after the game in Dallas. Yeah. And he said, nobody had come at me the way Callahan did on those first scripted drives, like just sliced them up. And he goes, I adjusted, though, from man to zone. We hadn't shown zone all year. They, they didn't have an answer for it. You know why? Because Zach's arm strength wasn't great. To get yeah, through the windows. He had to get through those zone windows, you know. And I, he's good on that man to man. It's a different game. And that was an elite Auburn defense in Dallas that day. And they um, – <laughs> so then after the game was over, what I had heard was Callahan and Norvell were at odds on how to go out oh, of the zone. really? Mm. And Callahan shut off the headset on Norvell oh during the game. 
<laughs> and just kind of took over. And that was Jay, that was Jay's last game at Nebraska. I would expect it to be <laughs> when you get shot off the headset during a bowl game. That's your it was sign. a seventeen fourteen game. That's your sign. It's a close game. And Nebraska was up fourteen to three. Yeah, that's right. I, I don't ask me how I remember these things. I, I don't know some of like my cousins' names, but I remember these things. <laughs> that was beautiful, Sean. Yeah. But you know, you, you remember the important stuff. That's that's what, that's what matters. You know. Family can, first, yeah. Sean. I can detail the 06 Cotton Bowl from the media gifts to the game, but I've got like. 50 or 60 cousins, and I might not know all their names. <laughs> Shows fine. up to family Christmas and says, hey, what's up, man? But he can remember exactly what happened on a third and 11 in the 2006 and my wife's, Cotton Bowl. My wife's the teacher, so she's really good at remembering all like children's names. Yeah. And, and like, what's her name? What's his name? Yep, and she's yeah. like, that's so-and-so. Like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, when we come back, we're going to continue opening headlines. Brian Buscini is going to change numbers this year. We're going to talk about that and what he's doing next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett. Uh, before we get into the news here, this segment of the program is brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill. No better place to go in and watch the big game on Sunday or get your food to go. Take it home. Get some wings. Get some hot lips. Mm-hmm. Hot um, lips. That's Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill. I'm still trying to kind of iron out my Super Bowl plans, uh, get things figured out. Thank goodness, Robin, there is no Nebraska basketball on Super Bowl Sundays. They, sometimes they get a little aggressive on those TV windows and schedule Nebraska to play at like one. Yeah, they do. I mean, they're, they're playing this Sunday, so it just worked out perfectly. The Saturday. They're playing this Saturday, right? Uh, no, uh, Saturday. That was this past Sunday. Yeah. You're right. You're right. So this past Sunday, and then they so it was skipped. So we dodged a bullet. That was the first thing I always look at when those schedule releases come out is when's the Super Bowl and is Nebraska playing that day? Because yeah. they've done that before. Makes free. Well, I hope you get your plans thing. ironed out there, Sean. <laughs> I'll get it all figured out. Well, Tanner Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill Road. Let's get into Dylan Riola now. Yes. Um, obviously, we, we, we could basically do a Dylan Riola segment every week on this show if we wanted to. But um, he announced to The Athletic, uh, Mitch Sherman, our, our colleague and friend, was out in Arizona, did a great rundown and feature on Dylan Riola and Dominic Riola. And – they confirmed to Mitch that they're coming to Nebraska on March 25th. They're going to visit Georgia on March 18th. Um, they were at USC um, right before the dead period started on um, two weekends ago. So um, those appear to be the three teams really in the race right now. Doesn't it feel like Michigan or TCU is up there at this point? Oregon. What about Oregon? Oregon maybe. But, man, the Pac-12, just the future of that league – is is really I think a detriment to say in Oregon right now because what is the Pac-12 going to be? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, it's a good point, Sean. You, I think you're exactly right about the teams. USC three months ago or two months ago, I wouldn't have had them in the hunt. They've made the most recent push, uh, Lincoln Riley and USC. I yeah, but I mean Nebraska, as we know, is squarely in it. I don't know who'd be the favorite. I'm still sticking with. Nebraska's got a 50% chance. I've gotten some pushback from some people on that, but I, in that they think it's too high. But I, I, I'm sticking with 50% well, chance. Georgia, too, made a new 2024 QB offer this week. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to a couple people tied to Georgia, um, and, and they said that Georgia is potentially looking at taking two quarterbacks this year. Isn't that why Riola left Ohio State? Because they kept recruiting quarterbacks? I, I think it was – I don't think – they liked the way Ohio State was recruiting him. Uh, it might have been – I mean, maybe it's tied to that. Hard to know exactly why. Are any of those other schools going to prioritize 
Dylan Raiola, like Nebraska will. Oh, USC will for sure, and Georgia. Oh, I don't know. Will, will USC? I don't know. That's that. what I'm saying. Like USC, I don't know. He's the number one overall player in the country. I get it, but they, you know, they have Lincoln Riley, who basically just give him a quarterback. They're going to win the Heisman. So it's like, I don't know. I, I'm just, it's just I a get question. Rob's just a question. I'm throwing. I'd have to look at what else. Whereas he's a legacy guy here, and like he's all fans are talking about. Like, I don't know. I just don't know if like this the the love. He's going to get from Nebraska. Oh, no doubt. Compares to where any, to anywhere, anywhere else, else he's considering. Yeah, to anywhere else anywhere in the else. world. Yeah, <laughs> really seriously. Oh, seriously. I yeah. mean, somebody asked on the thread, "What would the reaction be if he committed?" And I, I, I found a GIF of like the Super Bowl parade in St. Louis. Right or, anyway. now, that, that, and I don't mind saying this on the <laughs> That's air. That's what it'd be like. Yeah, and I would say that would be a little uncomfortable. I, I mean, I, I, I'll be a little uncomfortable with the whole thing. It's so much mm-hmm. for that kid. I mean, a lot of pressure. I know. Remember a, how uncomfortable the Keyshawn Johnson Jebbia year was in yes. Bookie? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't, there's, there's just no way around it, though. I mean, there's really no way around it. If he commits to Nebraska, it will be like Nebraska's already won a national championship. Yeah. But I mean, you know, part of it is kind of their own doing with the way they've gone about this recruitment, you know, with his dad doing as many interviews and media tours as he's doing. So, I mean, like, you know, it's. I don't think that they're like shying away from that attention. I think there's probably an element that they enjoy about that, and which is no, not just them. That's pretty standard. I mean, with high level recruits. Dom hasn't done a ton of media interviews. I mean, I think they're really good at just talking to like the three national writers from the major recruiting services just to keep them updated. Mm-hmm. Which is good. and us and, and Mitch. then us and Mitch went out there though. Mitch yeah. went out to Scott. I mean, so if you go to Scottsdale, they're going to give you sure. But I, I don't know the other story with him is he switched high school so. He'll be at his third high school in three years. Mm-hmm. Um, he went from Chandler to now Pinnacle. Pinnacle. And before, he played at Burleson in Texas. So three high schools, three years, and he'll be done at Pinnacle in December. And Pinnacle is the same high school that Spencer Rattler came from, which is who Marcus Satterfield coached last year at South Carolina. And we don't, we're not expecting a, a – a spring commitment at this point, are we? I the feel I have now is like it, it could go into June. Like June. there, there could be a the sentiment I'm hearing today is there could be another round of visits in June. Okay, like officials. Mm-hmm. So like there's makes this, sense. There's kind of like the pre party, and then the official visits will be in June. Makes sense. Um, and very few quarterbacks can wait that long because the quarterbacks the number one like Nebraska that will be a tough position because. If they don't get him in in the spring, and let's say yeah, and Daniel Kalen from Bellevue West, they could they could easily probably get him if they wanted to, but Daniel Kalen's going to be committed somewhere in the next month or two. It gets dicey, doesn't it? It gets dicey. Is do you think the other schools involved are going to be willing to wait it out? I mean, Georgia's already offering other quarterbacks. Yes. Is, is USC just going to sit and wait for? For Dylan to go through another I, round of visits? I don't know, and I apologize for this. I don't know what else USC has. Are they recruiting somebody else for 2024? What have they got in 20? I mean, what are they I can't speak at? authority. Yeah. Though, but I just know when you're the number one player, just like you would be in basketball, you can call the shots. Like, yes, yeah. You can call the shots. Like yeah. I don't think you could decide to commit a minute before yeah, they'll, signing. They'll it. make room for you. They figure it out. But, yeah, the reaction of the other players in your program is what you wonder about. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of other players in Nebraska's program, I wanted to transition to Brian Buschini. Um, he made an announcement this week that he's going to switch his jersey number to mm-hmm. number 18 to tribute, tribute the late Brooke Behringer. Very cool gesture by Buschini. And it just tells you this the spirit of Brooke Behringer, how long it's – stayed in this Nebraska program. And I think to an extent, Sam Foltz is is a similar type of player as well. Uh, but obviously, Brooke will always be remembered. He's got a statue out in front of the stadium and very cool gesture sip that Brian Buscini will honor Brooke Mariner. Yeah, a couple things. Buscini seems to genuinely love being here. So I wasn't surprised by this. I think he immerses himself in the, in the culture here, is very res- respectful of the history um, and they walk by those guys, walk by the players, mm-hmm. the coaches, walk by that Tom Osborne, Brooke Berenger statue every single day. And, I mean, so that it is, it is in their minds at some level. And it's in his mind at a high level, and I have nothing but respect for that. But mostly, I just like Buscini, from the moment he got here, seemed to be a guy that appreciated Nebraska for what it is, everything that it is. 
which I really appreciate that. It strikes me as a guy, too, that kind of gravitates to what Brooke Behringer stand, stood for. Yeah, Like, just with the, what the person that he was and the way he went about his business, like... You know, it's hard to compare a quarterback to a punter, but you know Brian's—he's a grown-up. I mean, he's—you he talk to him, he talks, he talks he's like, married with a home. It's like a thirty-five-year-old guy. Just yeah. sitting, I mean, so like uh, of all the players that would I think would gravitate towards doing something like that, Brian Bichette would be at the top of the list for yep. me. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show um, as we put a wrap on things, and then obviously winter conditioning going on as we speak. Uh, been pretty quiet. Uh, the coaching staff, though, staying very busy doing clinics. Um, they were on the road in Texas last weekend. Matt Rule was in the Dallas area. Susan Elza, Dr. Susan Elza, spoke in Houston. Um, this week, the staff will speak in Omaha to the Omaha Metro's Coaches Association, including head coach Matt Rule. Um, so they're really, you know, you can't have recruits on campus right now. You can't go see recruits off campus, but they're going out and still making an impact, I think, in the best ways they can. Yeah, it's good. I mean, that's get the brand out there, keep it out there. Um, and that's what Matt Rule's all about. He's really about that. He likes getting around. He embraces that part of the job. That's what he said at his press conference. He's like, you know, there's, there's no time for days off. Like, we are at a full sprint, and I'm going to go to every single state, every single recruit, every single event, meet with any possible coach to continue to build the brand of Nebraska football, establish connections uh, on the recruiting trail and, and, and all that. Uh, so there's, there's no time to sit back and kick your feet up, and this is another example of that. All right, when we come back, we'll talk Nebraska basketball. The Huskers got a much-needed big win on Sunday over Penn State. We'll get Robin's thoughts on that, and then this weekend's matchup at home. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Steve Sibyl. Talking Nebraska basketball uh, over the weekend, the Huskers got a big, much-needed home win against a very quality Penn State team, 72-63. Kese Toganama had 30 points um, in, in that win for the Huskers. Uh, we're taping this on Wednesday before the Michigan game, so we really can't get into the Michigan game unless Robin um, is a, is got like a crystal ball to see the future. But uh, over the weekend, Robin, uh, another winnable home game here at PBA a coveted Saturday afternoon, 3 p.m., Phillips 66, Big 8 special. Mm-hmm. You don't get too many of those 3 p.m. Saturday games like the old days, Sip. No. No, that's kind of nice, Rob. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they that Penn State game was the first weekend Big Ten home game they'd had since Purdue, which was uh, December 10th. So they went from December 10th to February 5th without having a Big Ten home game. Jeez. Yeah. On a weekend. On, that's what I'm saying. On, on a weekend. And yeah, the Purdue, it was the Purdue game, correct? Correct. Yeah. So God. now you get another one against a Wisconsin team that, like you said, you look at what's remaining on their schedule, you can make a very strong case that after Minnesota, this is the most winnable game and, left on the tap. The fact that it is a Saturday, the fact that it is uh, at home, and you know Wisconsin's been up and down just like Nebraska has. In fact, if you look at the Ken Palm projections, they have – Nebraska with an 82% chance of beating Minnesota at home and then a 51% chance of beating Wisconsin. So they're technically predicting Nebraska to win that game. And those are the only two wins they have left. And those three, that's a, I mean, that place will be full. Number one, Chucky Hepburn will bring people there too from, from Bellevue West. I don't know when Bellevue West plays Saturday, if they play Saturday or not, but that will be cool for his family and community of Bellevue West. Uh, But for people that come in from Kearney and Grand Island and around the state, Beatrice, wherever, that's a great time to get people oh, yeah. to the arena, have lunch, go to the game. So I'm excited uh, just for a great Saturday afternoon down here. Well, you see just how much of a difference that makes. I mean, the Penn State, you know, the, the crowd was a huge part in them winning that game. The Purdue game, which they almost won here, like a weekend game, on a, especially on a Saturday at PBA, that's a huge X factor for Nebraska. They just don't get enough of them. Yeah. And so uh, this is an opportunity. Um, you know, Again, we, we don't know what's going to happen at, at Michigan here, but there could be some momentum rolling into that game. And 
man, Nebraska fans are just so desperate for something to, to cling to and some positivity. If they can get something rolling into Saturday with that home game, that is certainly a winnable game for Nebraska. That, you know, I mean, they've already surpassed uh, any win total Fred Hoiberg has had since he's been here, and now everything else is icing on the cake, and the march to 500 continues. Yeah, well, that would be interesting if they sure could do that. I, 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 um, I've been impressed with the way they've held together. I, I, you know, a lot of people talked about that Penn State game as being so important because if they lose it, they would go in the tank. I just didn't – I've never – Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I haven't seen evidence of this team going in a tank. No. I mean, even the games they're losing, right. like, they're the ones that get away from him at the end. Like, Illinois, it was a tie game on the road at Illinois with 10 minutes left. And right. then, you know, they just kind of unraveled on him. Maryland, I mean, Sam Hoiberg comes off and has the game of his life, and they lose that game by 19. They lost by 19. But it was much closer yeah. than what the final. So, like, if you yeah. look at the final score, you're like, oh, man, they're completely falling apart. Mm-mm. They're not. No, I don't see it. I don't and see it. That's them. a testament to this group yeah, and the leadership is. that they have within them. The Derek Walker, Sam Greasel, and even Bandamel and Gary. That, they say too. Yeah, I'm talking about like the vocal leaders, the ones okay. that are like taking control in the huddle, in the locker room, and, and making guys bring it day to day. Like, I think that's a real example of the different culture this particular group has compared mm-hmm. to previous ones. I mean, how many times you go, you go to a game and you know, it's not the fact that you expect them to lose. You expect them to get housed. And while, again, some of these have been lopsided scores, if you watch the game, they're not quitting. This this Nebraska group is not quitting. They're continuing to fight, and they're severely undermanned in some cases, especially against the higher-ranked teams in the conference. But the effort is there. And I think there's something to be said for that, especially considering all the adversity that has hit this season. You know, it does come to mind, though, and you have to give voice to this, I think, is that that team last year finished strong. <laughs> It did. Yeah, when it didn't matter. I know, but they did. <laughs> they went to Wisconsin, beat a ranked team. They did. Um, beat Ohio State late. And they – I mean, they actually played well in the Big Ten. Not real well in the Big Ten tournament, but they had a great chance to win that game. Yeah, they won their last three in the regular season. They destroyed Penn State on the road on their senior night. Okay. And then they went to Ohio State, beat them by eight. And then – And then they edged Wisconsin, um, all three straight road games – and then they go and lose Northwestern. Northwestern. By two. And that was a game they were dominating the first half. Right. They were up big. And they at had halftime. a chance to win it in the yeah. end. But again, that was when they were already 7 and 21. So it's like it's true. the season was was what it was. Really, mm-hmm. all they were playing for was Bryce to try and win freshman of the year. Mm-hmm. So this is a little bit different in the sense that technically, there's still a chance for something. If you want to talk about like postseason, I'm talking about NCAA tournament, like NIT or even anything lower than that, that is still, in theory, mm-hmm. On the table. Uh, w- yep. With the way that this season, when you have, what, four of your final five mm-hmm. at home, you, know, you got Wisconsin, you got Minnesota, games that they're right now currently projected to win. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a two-point underdog against Michigan State, four-point underdog against Maryland. So, I mean, like, it's within the realm of possibility that this thing could end on the highest note a season has ended under Fred Hoiberg you know, when when games still actually matter in the context of the season. And that's something he said for that. Now, there, I'm telling you, guys, there are some people that are listening to this that are saying, oh, God, you guys are really gushing praise on a oh, team. Yeah, I for get that they a lot. were picked last in the league. I get that though. a lot. No, the, Sean, what I was going to say <laughs> before you interrupted is is that some people will, <laughs> hey, will, say, will say you're praising them just for playing hard. I mean, that's, that's, that's what it's come to. Just play hard and the local media will be happy. You know, yeah. I mean, got, I mean, it should be a given, right? That they play hard, but it hasn't been true. And so, if you want to look for signs of progress, that's mm. you, you cannot deny that this group has brought those types of things far more than any other Fred Hoiberg team here. So, when you're picked 14th though in a 14-team league, what is a realistic context of what a successful season is? That is the debate. Yeah. That all of us will have. That is it. Yeah. yeah. What is it? And then the issue is you're is being it? picked 14th and playing year four. much better than what you're projected. That's my expect. And they are playing better than what they were projected. They are. Minnesota is clearly the worst team. Yeah, Minnesota's bad. Ohio State's having a horrible year. Yeah, they fell apart. Teams yeah. like nine through thirteen. It's a sheet of paper that separates those. Is teams. it though? In Minnesota? No, Minnesota's bad. No, fourteen. They're fourteen. Oh, so okay. I'm saying teams oh, nine like to nine okay. through thirteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like Nebraska is yeah. kind of right there. Nebraska is occurring going into Michigan. They're a game out of being in tenth place. Okay. To get out of that, so that that means that's avoiding the play the play in game the, the, the Tuesday first, game. Yeah. 
Wednesday, the <laughs> Wednesday night game, which <laughs> that's the worst possible setting because you're in these like big NBA arenas. Like, so they'll be at the United, uh, United Center. No, it's in, in Minneapolis. No, that's the women's in Minneapolis. They're in Minneapolis next year. Oh, so the men are not in Minneapolis. Yeah, so they're in Chicago, Chicago this year, Minneapolis next year. Either way, you're playing these big NBA arenas and there's nobody there. Like, you get a handful of people from Nebraska, a handful of people from Minnesota, and it's just this empty, cavernous arena. You know, there's hardly any other like media there, so like no buzz at all. And so to yeah. avoid playing avoid in that. that, just from a morale standpoint, to get some, you know, electricity would, a little bit, that would be progress. That would be progress. Robin, you're the veteran of the Wednesday night game. Oh yeah, I've covered a lot of those. Like you, but it, well, they played Indiana one year on the Wednesday night game, mm-hmm. right? They did. And it was like completely full mm-hmm. at Banker's Life, and, and yeah, because it was Indiana. That was the game where Fred they thought he had yeah, COVID. We do, don't bring that up. Yeah, that was 2020. Yeah, that was that was. That was some weird times now. Crazy times. That was some weird times. And we didn't send you, Rob. When the sports world shut down that day, yeah. March 11th. They kept the Nebraska media guys there, like, locked. Yeah. I didn't go because, so that was on March 11th. My son was born on March 15th. Ooh. So I'm glad I did not yeah, you weren't there. get locked in a press room. <laughs> no, it was just a little was. disconcerting is my recollection. Yes. Or, All right, when we come back, uh, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett, and making her just awesome entrance into the show today, Abby Barmore for the mailbag. <laughs> Bring it. What do you got today, Abby, in the oh, mailbag? Oh, man. Okay. What an entrance. <laughs> <laughs> They're always great, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> okay, our first one. Assuming Nebraska doesn't get another defensive lineman and goes into fall camp with what they have, who starts? Good question. I mean, I think you got to start with Ty Robinson, Stefan Wynn, Nash Hutmacher. And I know there's a question about Blaze Gunnerson. Does he project down there or is he going to be out hmm. in the space? And that's a great question because we don't know how this is all going to look. Um, but if I was just going to pick three, I would go Ty, um, Nash, and Stephon. and Stephon Wynn, probably. Okay, and With Raquan Buckley in that. Elijah Judy. Elijah Judy. I would put Elijah yeah. Judy ahead of Raquan Buckley. Yeah, I would, too. I would, too. What are we missing? Who are we missing, Rob? Freshman, after that. Okay. You're looking at Vincent Carroll Jackson, Riley Van Poppel, Cameron Lenhart, and uh, Lafotu. Uh, they, need, they need another body, mm-hmm. is my opinion. I think that's going to be priority number one when this next round of portal action Gets underway post spring. Yeah, they, they got to get some some veteran presence. Next Lin- round is mid April, and Linhard is here, six okay. three two fifty. So okay. where does he kind of factor in? He played at IMG Academy, which is a high level program. So he might be at least potentially a guy that could play more than four games. Sure, it's hard to say. Yeah, um, you know, and then we don't really know how they're gonna like some of these guys. Like, I is MJ Sherman a true linebacker or is he an edge guy? Mm-hmm. Don't know that. I don't know that. Do you? No, I don't. And we really won't know that until the coaches get a chance to kind of try some of these guys out. So there's a lot of questions like with Gunnarsson and Jamari Butlers and, and those guys, how do they get used in the scheme? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's, uh, it'd be wonderful if we could see spring practice. I doubt we will. We'll probably get some. I hope so. All right, Maybe Coach Rule, if you're listening, practice. Steve Sipple's asking, can we yeah. get yeah. Can we, seven practices? Get, hey, full. give us the scrimmages. That's all I ask for. There you not, go. Not the spring game. The two scrimmages. There you go. You get two scrimmage dates. Thanks. Give us those scrimmages. If you're going to let the high school coaches watch one, let the media watch. Yeah. It would be helpful. Sure I mean, there would be a lot less speculation, a lot less, a lot less, a lot fewer reporters going to anonymous sources. And Otherwise, going, you'll going have like assistant coaches from like Battle Creek High School doing practice breakdowns on message boards. Right. Which those are fantastic. Which, they're they're board great. Board. I love them. <laughs> We, we get good ones every we year, do. but do. Um, it's hard to trace where that info is coming from. So uh, let the media do it and give us some uh, give us a view of just a scrimmage or two. What, what do you got next, Abby? Does Daniel Kalen from Bellevue West have a committable offer? And what happens if, you know, we know that 
Dylan Rayola is the number one quarterback on the 2024 list for Nebraska. But what happens if he wants to commit? Um, right now, Daniel Kalen would not be able to commit to Nebraska because of the Rayola situation. So he, I mean, you hate to use this analogy, but he's kind of like your, your backup prom date. You know, it's like you're kind of holding out. It's cold. Because you've got <laughs> the hottest girl in school yeah. ready to go with you, but you don't know. Right. She's checking out you. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you go ahead. Just stop with the Simple. Oh. <laughs> the quarterback. I mean, she's checking out. We got three, it, She's Sean. got three options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you're kind of waiting. Mm-hmm. But you've got another really, really good-looking girl that will go with you. Right. You're that's, going that's full Daniel going to this, aren't you? Still going with it. <laughs> no, you're right, Sean. And that is a – It's a cruel analogy, but it's a real – I mean, that's kind of how it is. Like, he, yeah. he's there, and they know he's there, but – Kalen's got Colorado. Okay. He's got Michigan State. He's Ooh. got Virginia. He's got 15 Power 5 That's offers. Nice. He's not in that bad position. I mean, I would. he's a borderline high three-star quarterback. Okay. is a five-star. Big difference. You got any sense, like, what his timetable is? Like, is he going to be a guy? Kalen? Has, yeah. Um, like, 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 how long does Nebraska have to let that play out? while they wait for Raiola to figure out his situation. So I've been with Daniel twice this month now, um, and Abby was with him too as well um, on Sunday. And from my read and talking to his coach, Mike Huffman, they have advised him, if you see something that you like in March, you got to commit because the spots go, Mm -hmm. they fill quick. Mm -hmm. You can't sit around and dance and wait. You know, if Ooh, this you is gonna get interesting. if you go to Colorado and like it, and they offer it to you, you got to take it. If the, you go to Miami, he's got Miami, he's got Virginia, For, North Carolina, Minnesota, Michigan State, Missouri, Missouri. He he's got a really good group of Power Fives. He doesn't have the Ohio State, the Alabama, like those. But I would say like the middle tier Power Five. He's got a, a lot of them right now. Question: So you're a Nebraska coach, Matt Rule, Marcus Satterfield. You gotta get a don't you gotta get a handle on where this is all going. You can't really get left out, can you? Or can you? And, you get left without Kalen and without Rayola and be okay. Mm. Like they got a bunch of guys. The portal. I mean, they got six the scholars. Portal they got really, six, I mean, yeah. you can get Jeff Sims in the portal. I mean, you can always find a guy. Buffer zone. I, I know it was hard. Kalen really likes Nebraska and the new staff, but the day they go see him, the next day, then nine Nebraska coaches went to see Rayola. And, and that was hard. I mean, if you're a kid, 17-year-old kid, 16-year-old kid, and you're thinking, like, man, they really want me. And then the next day, like, mm-hmm. nine coaches went to go see Rayola. Although, you, I mean, he's smart enough to understand number one player in the country. Correct. Yeah. I mean, those kids are pretty savvy. What really is savvy. What do you got next? The 1890 initiative announced today that they're going to be working with a baseball team. Is this common for the Big Ten schools, and how is this going to help Nebraska to their advantage? It will help in that – I mean, it's going to kick into gear fast. I mean, they want to have players benefiting financially this summer. So it's going to move quickly. The financial commitment is strong. I don't know in the Big Ten – I don't know who knows that. Who, who in the, Which teams in the Big Ten benefit from this? You know in the SEC it's happening, Right. I don't know about the big team. The thing about baseball, like if you even just had a pool of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for NIL, that would go a long way. Where in football, I mean, that's kind of like chicken scratch. I mean, that's like just yeah. your app, not even the appetizer at the restaurant. I mean, no. it's maybe no, the. You're water. right. A quarter million would go a long <laughs> way, and there you're going to see eighteen ninety branch too. They're going to, you're going to see some other sports heavily involved women's basketball bowling i think there's a deal in place for the bowling team the wrestling or no team. wrestling I, i've never heard that i haven't heard that yeah it's it's um it's in basketball continues robin have their own collective operated by ralph kastner mm-hmm. um and they kind of do their own thing they do their own thing um and it's 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 a different i mean they do their own thing but they do work with 1890 to a certain degree there there is some collaboration there's help um, but they, but the bottom line is the men's basketball team has its own separate collective. The women's team, what I'm hearing, will be working with 1890 hmm. quickly. I mean, in the next, in the coming months. But when you compare it to Creighton for basketball, it's not even close. No. Like Creighton's basketball collective, it's not um, really. It's not. Every player gets <laughs> like e- even the walk-ons get like twenty five thousand. Yeah, and 
Yeah. They get they get the option of a car, an apartment, and they can have it taken off. I, I've heard a lot of you know Baylor Shireman's nil payment from Creighton was hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was substantially more than what Nebraska was able to offer. Hmm. I don't know the specifics on numbers. So I'm not going to say them, but it was substantial. Hundreds to, of to thousands. where like if you are comparing the offers yourself, like it's not even a question. Wow. Like if you're just looking at the the deals overall, but you know I I don't know. Like I wonder what the future of that with Nebraska's basketball's NIL collective situation, if they, maybe they eventually move towards joining the two or one of the two, uh, you know, bigger entities as opposed to having kind of their little offshot I don't know. situation. Yeah. And a lot of it, I mean, do the Peds want to be involved with basketball and football both? I mean, there's other elements there that we don't know. Is it too much? Is it different groups of boosters? I mean, there's a lot of, I don't know, but I'll tell you something. Rob, you mentioned Shireman like that. That's his, You just cannot afford to have your NIL operation, if that was the case, be the impetus to losing a player like that. You better be fortified in your NFL op- operation to put yourself in position to get that player. You keep losing those players, you keep finishing in the bottom half of the Big Ten. That's the way it works. I mean, you just go this past offseason with the high-level transfer guys they were going after. You can't compete with Kentucky. You can't compete with Creighton right now with guys that they lost players to. And then, obviously, the Keontae Johnson situation was different. But, like, you look at Antonio Reeves at Kentucky, Baylor Shireman at Creighton, or Johnson at Kansas State. You put any one of those guys on this team right now. Different. Difference maker. It makes the team different. It puts them into a different category amongst the rest of the Big Ten. Boy, that's hey, that's a reality. I mean, that is some college Right now, Nebraska cannot compete. That is college sports reality now. It really is. Yeah, and that probably is what separates the basketball schools from the wannabes, like, in Nebraska, I don't want to say is a wannabe, but they're not yeah. a basketball school. And I'm not acting like they're just like working with pennies right now, but like when you want to compare it to basketball schools, Nebraska's got a long way to go. The Creighton within the Big East might have the best or some of the best NIL, and the Big East is a great basketball league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's Omaha. I mean, I mean, they're, they're Omaha's team. They got a law school, a medical school, a mm-hmm. dentist school. I mean, yep. They got a lot of boosters. Just there. There's Nebraska. a lot of, I was supposed to say, what is, there's a lot of money in Omaha. Yeah, would Nebraska be better served to have a, more of a presence in Omaha? Nebraska basketball. Yes, that's the answer. Like playing a game there? Playing more neutral site games, you know, doing certain events up in Omaha. Like just having a bigger presence to where it's not just Creighton owns mm-hmm. Omaha and Nebraska has to work with everything else. Mm-hmm. All right, time for... Two more. We got to go quick on this one, though. What do you got, Abby? Okay. Which Husker football player from the 2022 season was your biggest surprise? Mm. I, I said Malcolm Hartstug earlier yeah. this week. Was um, I wasn't. I wasn't really expecting him to even play, let alone start, let alone be an effective player. And guys, I mean, Casey Thompson and Trey Palmer. I mean, I knew they'd make an impact, but I think they made more impact than I expected they were going to. Yeah. Colton Feast was for me. I mean, obviously Hartzog's the perfect answer but like just i knew he was going to play for him to be a starter and basically lock down a spot by the end of the year to where he was one of their better defensive linemen um just how good he was was surprising to me the only reason i don't say colton is because chenander told me he's good yeah. uh, in the spring in the spring but remember, when you compare him to you like win came in here big alabama guy and drew uh, yeah devin drew like it just seemed like he was in that next level you know what you know what i know we got to move quickly but i Hartzog is the obvious answer. The next one to me is obvious, too. It's Palmer. I did not think Palmer would put up 71 catches for 1,049 I mean, yards. People kind of debated me last spring when I said he's the clear-cut number one receiver. Well, Now, again, he could be clear-cut, but still putting up those numbers. Those numbers are way bigger than Samari Ture. And he was burning. The best season a receiver at Nebraska's ever had. Right. I did not see that. <laughs> I mean, he was burning good defenses. Yeah. For the mo- yeah. I mean, look at Iowa's defense. Yeah. I mean, he made them look like they were playing in sand. They yeah, didn't. They didn't have Cooper DeJean. DeJean. All right, David. <laughs> for, David. I'm just kidding. Our, our former. Uh, <laughs> we're running long, so we got. <laughs> all right. What do you got? What do you got to close us out with, Abby? Okay. What are your Super Bowl <laughs> predictions? Who you got? Oh, oh love. Philly. Come on now. I mean, Chiefs. Love Philly. Ugh. Boo. Yeah. Love I, Philly. I can't. I don't know. I don't. It's like back in 2018 when it Sean. was Patriots, Eagles. Like there's there's no winners. America, America loses either way. But wow. I'll go. I'll go Chiefs just because I hate the Eagles. Hate the Eagles. The Chiefs still kind of have taken on this like they're, New they're the new vibe. Patriots. Like people don't like they're you know they don't like the Chiefs. And I don't get it. So it happens when you're good for that long. The, the matchup that really is interest, interesting to me is the pass rushes on both sides. 
I mean, Philly has a ferocious, ferocious pass rush. Mm-hmm. Chiefs aren't that far behind. Chris Jones, now the matchup I really watch, Chris Jones versus Lane Johnson. Chris Jones is, I mean, that's as good a pass rush as you see in the NFL. They, and the Chiefs move him all around. When he's matched on Lane Johnson, Lane Johnson's had groin problems, had an adductor injury, groin injury. He's still a little bit, I mean, I've read his comments this week. He's still like a little bit unsure. You know, I'll tell you what, you can't be unsure with Chris Jones coming at you. Mm-hmm. So I'd watch that. If and if you know what? I'd watch the early series because what what you see the Chiefs do, if Chris Jones has a matchup that he's winning, they just keep him there. Now they'll move him around if he's not winning all the time. But if he's beating Lane Johnson continually, they'll keep him there. And what about Mahomes? Will he be able to scamper for those six, seven yard runs? No, I'm know. not talking like thirty yard runs, but those like third and seven type runs he gets, yeah, it's huge. Yeah, uh, high ankle. I don't know what. I don't. I doubt it'll be a hundred percent. Yeah. What makes him so good is his ability to improv and mm-hmm. run around in the pocket. It's not just the scrambles. It's moving around in the pocket, buying time, letting Travis Kelsey just find the hole in the zone, and boom, there's a thirty yard. For completion. sure, Rob. I agree with you. Except I thought, I thought that that last game when against the Bengals, when he was a little restricted. I, I like the kind of the controlled Mahomes, where he doesn't – he's just kind of a pocket guy, but he makes good decisions, and he, do, he, he doesn't improvise that much. I get what you're saying, but I kind of like that picture. He's a great quarterback when he's limited to the pocket. He's a generational quarterback when he can improvise. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Uh, when we come back, we'll close the show. We'll okay, talk Chris about Morton's. Brian Ferentz's <laughs> new contract in Iowa and more. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, uh, Robin Washett. We're talking uh, national Big Ten storylines, and I want to lead with this discussion, gentlemen, um, as we close the show. Brian Ferentz was giving a, a $50,000 per year pay reduction um, by Iowa. He'll make uh, $800,000 instead of $850,000. Could be just one year. Could just be one just, year. Well, yeah, there, and there's there's triggers on the deal, right. kind of like Scott Frost. I mean, Scott Frost went from five to four million with triggers that he have obviously never got a chance to fire off. Um, he was like, go after Georgia Southern, but um, this has caused a lot of debate. Number one, do you think Brian Ferentz should have been reduced more? Would it even have mattered? I think people would have been mad no matter what. I just think there's this, you know, it's coach's son nepotism he's kind of been a lightning rod target for Iowa so I don't know what no matter what they did to his contract and I joked on your show sip outside of publicly tarring and feathering Brian Ferentz I'm not sure there would have been anything that would have like been people like yep that's a fair deal for Brian Ferentz <laughs> I think you're right I now the, the, the discussion is kind of nuanced though it really is now what's not nuanced is this he's been the offensive coordinator since 2017 in that period, they they their average for national total offense ranking is 107th nationally. 107th is the average. They've never, ever, with Brian Ferentz calling plays, been higher than 87th nationally in total offense. They don't run a no huddle. Yeah. They, they don't run the quarterback. Yeah. That is – now, the other side of that, though, is Brian Ferentz and Kirk Ferentz would give you the middle finger and say, okay – Nebraska media, we have not during that period won fewer than eight games. And twice we won 10. And during the COVID year, we went six and two and won our final six. How did you do? I mean, it's almost fascinating that they've won that amount of games with a horrible offense. It's almost Mm -hmm. like they're saying, we don't need an offense. We'll win with special teams and defense. What makes it even more stunning to me is think about how well they play defensively and the opportunity they give their offense repeatedly. Yeah. Their offense is always in good – a lot of time in good – not always. Other than against Nebraska. A lot, yeah. of, <laughs> a lot of times and they're in good field position. They get the ball, ball often. Mm-hmm. So it's – yeah, I, 
I don't know. It's a really odd situation. Yeah, I mean, it, despite all of that help from defense and special teams, they still average less than 18 points per game. 17.9. Yeah, and so, you know, for them to reach that benchmark, that's 10 more points a game than what they scored last year, which was historically bad. And uh, since Brian Ferentz took over as OC in 2017, I was never ranked higher than 86th. Right. In total offense, right. last year they were 129. Right, they've av- like like I said, Rob, they've been av- they've had an average of 107th nationally in total offense. This year it was mainly an offensive line issue. Now Sean's going to say quarterback. I'm going to say offensive line. They didn't have an Iowa offensive line this year. Well, and Petrus for three years, I think the data size is pretty good that he he wasn't a great Iowa quarterback. No, he's not. You You're look right. at the I mean, he's not. other two guys they had before him. They were, they were NFL quarterbacks. I mean, they, they, it was a significant drop-off. Um, and but, I, but how much of that is because of a faulty offensive line, though? We've been through this discussion at Nebraska plenty. I mean, how much of Adrian's struggles was because they just weren't very good up front? I mean, they've had multiple draft picks off that offensive line. Not this no, no, year. Not well, this year. Not this no, no, not this year. year. No, their offensive but, line was substandard. But this year wasn't like a total aberration either. Like, they it's weren't been, very good. It's been, what, six years now of below-average – Offense and some and and most recently historically bad offenses. See, here's what Kirk is thinking. I I I have to think this. So yeah, Brian's not his unit's not producing, but offensive line substandard. We didn't have the quarterback we wanted, and they were just beset by injuries at receiver. So they didn't. They were playing Laporta, Sam Laporta, their tight end at receiver a lot, and in fact. They were, they were beset by injury at quarterback. I mean, Laporta was taking snaps during the bowl preparation as a quarterback. So I think the Ferrances, are, their, their line of thinking is, we just didn't have the guys we need. Well, and, and Kirk is untouchable in that sense, too. Like Kirk is untouchable. I mean, his contract carries so much weight on it, they can't fire him unless it was for cause for the previous things that they were trying to go after. And, and that, that's kind it's of – hard to fire him, you're right. Um, so he's – but – Technically, Brian reports to the AD because of the nepotism laws in the state of Iowa, Gary Barda. Um, so Gary Barda is his boss, not not Kirk Ferentz. But is Gary Barda going to really ruffle feathers with Kirk Ferentz? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if he fires his now, son. Now, we saw like at Miami, they wanted Mark Rick to fire his son, and Mark Rick stepped down. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. I think there were other reasons, though. Sean's health wasn't good. But, I mean, they wanted to make him let go of his son. and then Yeah. I don't know if that was an impetus. But anyway, yeah, it's, it's a really awkward situation at Iowa. That's – They had a decent year of all – I mean, it wasn't like – They've always had a decent year. And that's the number one point that Ferentz and Barta and all those guys make is, mm-hmm. yeah, I know our offense has been bad. We're still winning eight games. Yeah. You know, like, or ten. They've or twice ten. won ten. Yeah, so, I mean, like – for what the st- expectations clearly are, I mean, they want them to win seven games next year. That's in the amended contract with Brian Ferentz. Like, when, if that's your bar, Nebraska, Iowa has achieved that bar and then some every year under Brian Ferentz. So, yeah, two 10-win seasons with Ferentz, call, Brian calling the plays. You, you get get what you ask for, I guess. But, you know, when you don't run your quarterback either and you don't run a no huddle, you're going to run less plays per game. So, like, Iowa, the way they run offense, it's not geared to be, like, an elite yards or points system. They they, no, it was, it they limit the plays, the points. The style they play doesn't really allow you to have a statistically, like, top 50 Well, offense. now, here's the, here's the interesting part of that conversation, Sean. If you watch the game against Nebraska, they didn't play Iowa style. They were doing whatever it took to move the ball in that game. They threw out the Iowa style. Because they weren't running. Think about it. They weren't running just zone left, zone right, play action. They were doing whatever they could. They're throwing screens to the tight end. I mean, they they were doing. They just kind of went to doing whatever they possibly could to move the ball. It wasn't Iowa. What's That's funny what is had we, we barely could watch that game because we were so busy worrying about the Matt Rule mm-hmm. stuff the next morning. It was really yeah, it was really challenging. It was here in Nebraska was winning this game where you were sort of startled, right? And you couldn't. I wanted to pay close attention to it but it was kind of challenging it's like you couldn't even get into the game because of knowing what the next morning was going to bring and it did the next morning delivered everything and more i mean we drove through the night and it was a freaking grind to drive through western iowa at like two in the morning to get back for matt rule to be on tv and everything that happened the next morning but trey palmer declared 
And then two days later, the Mickey Joseph situation happened. I mean, it was you just go back to that period in time. What a time from Iowa City. Yeah, you you were a trooper too. You were driving, you were singing Nicki Minaj song. Uh. <laughs> Whatever it takes, baby. Hey, and we had that great pizza. We had that pizza. The pizza was fabulous. You're right. It was fabulous. <laughs> Western Iowa though, late at night. That that I mean, Especially it gets Sean pretty hairy. Nicki Massage. Nicki Minaj. Nicki Massage. All right. Well, yeah, Minaj. Gentlemen. Sorry. Go Chiefs! Sipples cheering for the Eagles. Robin's got yeah. the Chiefs. I'm just I'm I'm gonna have my uh, Rob Lowe NFL hat on. I just hope everybody has a good time. <laughs> You're Rob Lowe. NFL. What is that? Just like the, the picture of him with the game where he's just wearing an NFL hat oh. at an NFL game. <laughs> <laughs> just rooting for a good time. All right. Well, rooting for my prop bets. That's what I'm gonna be rooting okay. for. Rob will have full coverage of Nebraska basketball this weekend, and we're a week away from Nebraska baseball opening the season. Um, so make sure you check out HuskerOnline.com. Uh, we will keep you up to date with all of the latest. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.